It changed our lives forever, obviously. Nothing you ever expect to happen. I envisioned myself growing old with him and we had a very long, happy life planned for us and our children and our families. In an instant, it was taken away and it's hard to understand why it happened. Welcome to Before It's Too Late. I'm your host, Christiane Suzanne. Let's learn together what matters most in life. In today's episode, my guest is the award-winning fintech woman, Sashi Walz, who has made a remarkable career in the international banking world. Just one day before she was about to start a new job and climb her career ladder even higher, she lost the love of her life to the ocean. See you at 11.30 for brunch were his last words before her husband never returned home from kitesurfing. Sashi is sharing with us how this tragic event changed her and the lives of her kids forever, and how she managed to find mental and physical balance again. I find it truly remarkable and touching how she has tapped into her inner resources in order to create stability and legacy for her family unit left behind as a single mom. I needed to come back to what made me happy, Sashi recalls. Let's learn from her how she created meaning from her sudden loss, how she rediscovered who she is and what made her feel being herself again. Hello, Sashi. Hi, Christiane. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm so happy to have you on my podcast today. I'm really excited about it. Thank Sashi. you for inviting me. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You are a very impressive woman in many ways. You earned a dual degree in business management and economics. You were working in the investment banking industry for a long time, five years at Merrill Lynch and then 11 years at Goldman Sachs. And you are a very achieved woman in the financial tech space. So that is very impressive. But Today, I would really like to explore more about you as a human being behind that great career and you as a mother and family person. So, Sashi, you had in your life a very tragic event. You lost your husband in the blink of an eye and ever since you have changed your life. Would you share with us What happened? Sure. So I'll, I'll start with the, the magical part, which was meeting my husband, Nicholas, who I met at work, and we were instantly connected and built a, a beautiful relationship, got married in, in Normandy, France, and had many adventures. We loved to travel together. We loved to cook Loved to work hard. We loved to play hard. We loved music. We loved to dance. We loved uh, all of those wonderful things that that make a, a couple great. But I think the one thing that I would say that is most incredible, you know, we we had a very good balance. I knew what I wasn't good at, and he knew what he wasn't good at. But we both knew what we were good at and what we weren't, and we allowed the other to excel and take over where they were exceeding in, in an area and the other, and we knew where to back away where it wasn't our specialty. So it made us a very balanced couple, both at work and, and outside of work with our family, also with our friends. So we had a you know, beautiful relationship. We got married and we had two beautiful children together. 
And one day, suddenly, my husband took on a, a very fun sport. You know, he was a marine biologist by study at university. Uh, he thought he was going to be the next Jacques Cousteau until he realized uh, he wanted to uh, maybe pursue a career in finance as well. And I'm glad he did because that's where we met. But he took on a lot of water sports. Any water sport he can do, he would do. If um, we were on vacation, he would literally do any water sport that was available to him. The one that ended up, unfortunately, calling his name to the sky was, uh, was a sport called uh, kite surfing. And he became very uh, proficient at it and had organized lessons on a regular basis as we would go uh, out to the Hamptons in Long Island, New York, for our weekends and our summers. And one day, he was supposed to have a lesson one morning and return home to have brunch with his family and some friends, and he never returned. I knew something was wrong when he didn't call because he was always on time. He was always diligent and communicative. And when I didn't hear from him and a half hour passed by and an hour passed by, passed when he was supposed to arrive, I knew something was gravely wrong. And my worst fears were confirmed by some dear friends of mine who ended up discovering him in a bay. And he had ended up drowning, I believe, blacking out after he had finished his sport. Unfortunately, Nicholas suffered from low blood pressure. It's just more of a hereditary condition that he had that runs in his family, which he was aware of. And we actually proactively went to see a cardiologist to ensure that his heart was looked after and we had uh, everything scoped out in advance to make sure there wasn't any concerns because he had blacked out on me before, not in the water, but on the land. And the cardiologist gave him a clean bill of health. You know, his his echocardiogram was perfect. His vitals were perfect. The only thing she can see was low blood pressure. So she told him, you must, must, must hydrate in the morning. The first thing you do when you wake up is eat saltine crackers and drink some water. And he wasn't a big breakfast person. So I had to make sure I set that aside on the kitchen counter for him before he left for his very early day at Goldman Sachs. And what I have to believe, no, it, it wasn't on that day. Um, on the day that he passed, it was a weekend. And I have to say, you know, the night before we had the best night. You know, for those that are parents that are listening in and with the young children, you probably know very well, you don't get much sleep <laughs> and you don't have a lot of time for yourself. And I remember explicitly the weekend that he passed away. We drove out on Friday evening. My mother was there to help with the kids and babysit. And she said to us, I want you two to go out on a date tomorrow. This was Saturday night. And I want you to go out on a date. I'm going to watch the kids and have a fun time. And I remember we had the best evening. You know, we went out for dinner. And usually after dinner, we're so tired, we would go right back home and go to sleep. But that night, we stayed out. We went to one place and had a drink. And then we went dancing at the end of the night. It was just a lovely evening. And we toasted. I was just about to start a new job. And I remember toasting at dinner together. And he was so happy for me to make this change and was so supportive of the change. And then the, the next day, I remember he said, I'm going to wake up early and go practice my kite surfing. My instructor's coming at 8.30. And I'll see you at 11.30 for brunch. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, that Sunday, everything was stacked against him. The conditions for kiteboarding were not that great. The winds weren't that, 
you know, optimal. And then also the instructor canceled on him that morning without, unbeknownst to Nicholas, Nicholas was already on his way, I think already in the water practicing when the instructor canceled. So no one was there when he fell to witness or to see him or to help him. And I don't think he would, he would have gone alone, you know, without a lesson. It changed our lives forever. Obviously nothing you ever expect to happen. I envisioned myself growing old with him and we had a very long, happy life planned for us and our children and our families. So in a instant, it was taken away and it's hard to understand why it happened. Sashi, I really have no words. I just feel with you. What gave you the strength to survive that? I felt that I had no choice but to move. I'm not going to say move on, but I had to move. I felt very much like a soldier, like I needed to execute a plan. And I needed to plan what was next for my children. I needed to know what was next for us as a unit. And I couldn't stay in a state of helplessness or not knowing what I was going to endure next. And so I needed to move. And what I mean by that is I needed to know when this happened to us, it was July of 2014. I needed to know, you know, those children, my son was starting or our son was starting a brand new school. He was just turning four years old and we had chose the school together. And I was determined to make sure he started in the school that Nichols and I chose for him. So from July until that day, I prepared, you know, making sure he had, the right support and experience, you know, going to school as a happy child and me being happy for him on his first day of school and bringing my network together to help me with those parent teacher nights, which were the, you know, which were tough because I'm the only single parent or widowed in the class. So my brothers would step up and join me, you know, to be up by my side, you know, especially that first year as, as did my friends. So that was one way I moved forward. Another way that I moved forward was, you know, we think about holidays. When you have children, you think about what are we doing for the holidays? How do we make this special for them? And that's all I could think about. So at the time, my youngest brother was living in Stuttgart, Germany. And I said, Andy, I want to come to Germany for Thanksgiving. I know you don't celebrate Thanksgiving in Germany, but I want to bring the kids and we're going to come. And so we did. We spent Thanksgiving of 2014 in Germany. And we celebrated Thanksgiving in his house. And we took the kids to the Christmas markets and made it as special as we could for them. And my brother Andy is my son's godfather. It's just been just an incredible support for me, as all my brothers have been. But as I just demonstrate planning, like I needed to know what was next. And yeah. for, for Christmas, I needed to know who was going to be with us for Christmas. You know, we would typically go to the Hamptons and take a week off and relax. And, you know, I had literally a rotating door of friends and family coming to stay with us during that time. So not one evening we were alone. And so just really coping by being able to move and to plan. And I also, for myself, the only thing I can do other than thinking of the children and what's best for them is 
I needed to put all of my energy into something, which at the time was this new job I just accepted literally two days before, three days before Nicholas passed. And it was a very hard decision for me to, to make because after he passed away, my first reaction was, I can't go to this startup, this very, you know, non-mature company who doesn't even have funding yet. And I'm going to go to this company and it's very risky. And I am the sole breadwinner now for these children. I don't know if that's responsible of me. And I thought to myself, it would be safer if I stayed at Goldman because, you know, it's a bigger corporation. I know everyone there and they knew Nicholas and I'd feel safer there. But the more I thought about it, you know, we went to, to France later that August to spend time with his family, his parents, and to grieve there. And the more I thought about it, the more I decided that I needed to commit to what we decided, which was to start this new job. And it, that is the, a very what, courageous decision. What gave me the courage is, was it was the way that I honored him. I felt that I had to honor him. And the last thing we spoke about was me joining this company. It was the last thing he knew I would be doing. So I didn't, you know, we had dinner. We toasted that night. We went out dancing to celebrate and we went to bed. And so he woke up early and left the house. But the last thing he thought that I'd be starting this new job. And so what gave me the strength was knowing that if I don't try it, I'll always regret it. And if it failed, I remember he told me, I'm here. You can fall back on me if it fails. So just do it because you're most passionate about this job. Of all the things you're, you're contemplating, and I had a few opportunities I was contemplating, he said, this is the thing you're most passionate about. So you need to go for it. And that's what I did. So a part of it was honor and wanting to honor him. And part of it was wanting to take the risk and execute our plan what we decided to do together, just like we decided on the school for the children, we decided on this, this new role for me. That sounds amazing. So do you feel, Sashi, that you can still fall back on him for your life? I do. The children and I, we talk about him all the time. I mean, there's not a corner of the house you don't see a picture or a family picture. I don't avoid talking about Nicholas. We talk about him all the time. And one of the things you know, or, or the way that, you know, part of the legacy I want to leave behind is ensuring that we honor him and what we do and create new traditions. So that is the biggest theme that I have established with my kids is how do we create new traditions that incorporate our family traditions, maybe things we used to do together with Nicholas or things he used to do with his family or even things he did before we knew him. And What gives us strength to do that and an example of one thing we've done is something we did very recently, which was we got up, left New York and moved to London last August amidst everything going on with COVID and the uncertainty of what the world's going to look like. And, <laughs> and part of me was thinking, you know, I've always wanted to live internationally. It was always a dream of mine, a dream to live abroad and to... I've always had a connection with France, even though I didn't know I was going to marry a Frenchman, you know, or, or some of French heritage. And I thought to myself, you know, if we move to London, it would be very easy to get to France and see family and be in our Normandy home where Nicholas grew up. 
So if the children get into this French immersion school, which I have my eye on, then we'll do it. That was my plan. So with my company, they were gracious uh, to, to support where I wanted to move, if it was London or to Paris, because we also have office in Paris. But I thought London might be an easier transition for the kids, just English speaking and also just from uh, assimilating uh, to a new, new country that's uh, similar. And so we did. They got into the school that I really wanted for them. And we pulled the trigger in the summer. And we spent a month in Normandy with uh, their grandparents, Nicholas's parents, which was lovely, and their cousins, their aunt and uncle. And then we moved to London and started a new life here. So we are just a few months in. We're not even a year in here, but we are honoring him. And I tell them we're honoring him because Nicholas went to school in London for some part of his childhood. And then he would go to Normandy on the weekends with his parents and spend his summers there and take the train to different countries. And I want the children to experience that and walk in his footsteps. So we're living that now. And the last thing I'll say around that is I remember thinking, you know, one, it's a good age for the children, you know, at the time, 10 and eight and a half. But I remember telling them, this is what your dad did. And I remember my son Xavier saying to me, mom, if this is what dad did, then I want to do it. There was no questions asked. There was no crying. Like I'm going to miss my friends or I don't want to go my leaving my other set of grandparents behind. It was just, if this is what dad did, I want to be there. And so there was so much confidence in those words that we're building every day and having new experiences every day that are so special that I know he's looking down and smiling on all three of us. That sounds so wonderful, Sashi. And it is just amazing how you keep Nicholas alive and how you keep the roots alive also he laid in your children. Talking about a new life, how do you think you have changed? ever since this loss? Well, I definitely feel that I've seized moments more with my family or friends or just for myself. One of the things, you know, that, that I've tried to do more is along the theme of honor is honoring a tradition of travel that we always had. So Nicholas and I were very big on experiences and that was how we should we gave each other, those were the gifts we gave each other. So we would travel places instead of buying physical gifts. And, and we love that because the experiences gave you endless memories, right? And, and so what I've, what, I've, what I've tried to do is, as painful as it was in the beginning to even think about going to a place that we'd been to together, what I would try to do, at least in the initial years, was only travel to places we had not been together that I know he would have loved to have gone to. So I started to seize opportunities with friends or with family or with my children to go and discover new places that I know he would have absolutely adored. So we've been to places like Turkey, the children and I, I've been there with friends also just, just to have an escape. We've been to Israel for a friend's wedding. The kids were in the wedding. We've been to Cyprus. Uh, we've been to so many places in Europe. I went to Marrakesh for my birthday with some of my closest friends. So we had these amazing experiences, merging culture and music and dance and vibrant lifestyle with 
of a curiosity of new culture and travel. And I knew that he would have been intrigued. He would have been all in. And those are the moments I tried to seize with people that knew him too. Because I find that those moments are even more memorable when I'm with people that knew him and knew how special he was. And so they're also living in that moment too with me. That's one example, Christian. I'd say the second is just trying to find balance. And for me, balance was having mental and physical balance. And I didn't have a lot of it after the loss initially hit. I was diving into my job, like I said, 19, 20 hour days. I didn't sleep much. I didn't eat much. And that's what I needed to do then. But three, four years later, I, this, it wasn't sustainable. And I needed to come back to what made me happy. So clearly travel made me happy. My children make me happy. My family and friends make me happy. But for me, the only thing that made me physically and mentally happy was dance. And it was, that was always my passion, my sport. And I used to take a lot of classes every week when I was younger. And Nicholas and I used to go out dancing, the two of us, all the time, religiously. And it stopped. I just felt like part of who I was left me. And so I discovered it again you know, about three years ago. I, I became an avid follower of a, a dance cardio boutique program business in New York. And I still do abroad from London. And it's part of my life. It's part of who I am. And it's changed who I am. I feel wow. myself. I feel myself again in that way. I have that balance. I have that energy. I have a way to express myself, which is necessary to perform at a high octane level in the job that I have as a single parent, as to have balance doing that. So that's how I've managed. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing this. This is so valuable. Do you think you would have been somebody else if you not had experienced that loss, Sashi? I don't think I would have been someone else. I would have had more experiences with the love of my life by my side. That's the way I think about it. Because I still think I'm doing many of the things I would have done if he was here. Because if he was here, he'd be in London with us right now. You know, he would be supporting me in this dance project. He would be watching his son DJ as he used to DJ because he loved music and loved technology and merging those two together. Everything that the kids and I are doing now, I think we would be doing with him. So, What's your advice, since you are such a great example of how to not only cope, but also regaining strength then and be a good mother, especially after such an experience? What would be your advice if people really ask the question of how to live a meaningful life? And I'm asking that you... Because people who have experienced such a tragic loss, they know better about a meaningful life. So giving meaning to your life and living a meaningful life is always, I think, going to be linked to being true to you and what is going to make you happy. You have to listen to yourself sometimes. And you also have to be kind to yourself. I, that's something someone taught me very early on when I initially went through the loss phase. And, you know, give yourself gratitude and thank yourself for the achievements that you've made because that creates meaning. 
you have to acknowledge those things, number one. And then I think the, the other thing I've learned that's been so important for us as a family is to create traditions, new traditions. And that's created legacy. It's created consistency, especially for the children, which is so important for them as such young children. So, yeah, that's amazing. Give me another example of traditions. You, you were talking about all these great travels you make. Would you share another tradition, big or small, you have created? Yeah, of course. Well, the children and I always light a candle for their dad at dinner every night. So that's a tradition we've created. We also have been making recipes that we know he loved or that might have been passed down by his mother or grandmother. So we create traditions around food. And also from holidays, we do celebrate Christmas in our family. And we started a tree trimming party where we would invite all of our closest friends, Nicholas and mine together, to be with the children. And it would be just something everyone always looked forward to in early, mid-December. And one of the things that one of our specific friends would always do is, you know, lift a Maya or Xavier to put the star on the tree. But it's, it's the consistency for the children, I feel, is so important to create the traditions so they feel the importance always linked back to their father, but also for them to know these faces that are always going to be in their life for as long as they're around. Our best friends, their you know, uncles and aunts, obviously the grandparents, but especially the friends that they may not have known as well. They are now here to tell them stories of their dad and how amazing he was. It's not just mom. It's going to be his colleagues. It's going to be his best friends from college. It's going to be his acquaintances and clients who are sharing these stories with them on an active basis. So that's created such a special pool of thoughts and memories that will never go away and never will never forget. That's absolutely wonderful, Sashi. Thank you so much for sharing all your thoughts and feelings and insights. And you are really an amazing role model for surviving, coping, and creating meaning from such a big, big loss. So respect, especially for your courage. Thank you. And I wish you all the best for the future, Sashi. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being my guest on Before It's Too Late today. You're most welcome. I really enjoyed this profound conversation, and I hope you did too. For more episodes of Before It's Too Late, make sure to subscribe. If this episode spoke to you, consider sharing it with a friend or loved one you think might benefit from it. Thank you for listening.